0: Welcome to this special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. We're recording this at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time on the 3rd of October, the day after the Wednesday Night Wars Edition 1 with AEW versus NXT. And we're talking about it right here. Tell people that Jonathan Hood is talking wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday usually drops every Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Of course, right here on the podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. But as promised, because of the Wednesday Wars, the first edition, I was going to give you a special podcast. So here we are. So glad that you are in. Also, the reason why that I want to wait and do this podcast and talk to you about what happened last night is because I want to wait for the ratings to come in about who won as far as the TV numbers with AEW Dynamite on TNT against NXT on USA, and according to the Wrestling Observer, AEW Dynamite is the victor in week one of the quote-unquote Wednesday Night War. The Dynamite show premiered averaged 1.4 million viewers on TNT last night and finished second for the night on cable in the all-important 18-49 demo with a .68 rating. The latter was more than double the .32 rating for NXT on USA. USA pulled in the same demo. NXT, despite uh, limited commercial interruptions and a loaded lineup, they still... Did very well, but they did not draw the 1.4 million that AEW Dynamite did. NXT drew 891,000 viewers. So that's triple the number when we take a good look at that, okay? So AEW Dynamite 1.4, NXT, well, 891,000 viewers, That's according to the Wrestling Observer. The most watched show on cable last night was the MLB wildcard game between the Tampa Rays and the Oakland Athletics. In which uh, that drew 3.9 million viewers and a 1.03 rating in that 18-49 to demo. So, I will tell you off the top that no matter what the numbers are for AEW or for NXT, we all won last night. That was... So much excitement for me. The most excited I've been about professional wrestling in one night between two companies in over 20 years. For those of you that listened to me years and years ago during the Monday Night Wars with the WWE and WCW, that was thrilling too during that time on Monday nights when you're going back and forth and trying to figure out which is the better show or watching one and then taping the other and going back. And That was fun last night. It really was because I think we as wrestling fans won. And I don't care about the bottom dwellers and the naysayers about this and that with both shows. I don't care. I thought that it was great for both companies to be able to show what they can do. And that was just a lot of fun for me last night. This coming in as well, I'm glad I waited until now to be able to talk to you about this. There was a statement Made by the WWE. The WWE made a statement about last night and NXT versus AEW. Here's a statement made by the WWE on WWE.com. Congratulations to AEW on a successful premiere. The real winners of last night's head-to-head telecast of NXT on USA Network and AEW on TNT are the fans, who can expect Wednesday nights to be a competitive and wild ride As this is a marathon, not a one-night sprint. AEW Dynamite premiered on TNT last night while NXT aired on USA Network. But interesting that the WWE makes a statement to which Chris Jericho, if you follow him on Twitter, has like the little puppets from The Muppet Show, the two guys that always criticize people, uh, laughing in a a meme. (laughs) So he's laughing with The uh, Muppet Show. Uh, Muppets laughing at the WWE or laughing at Triple H and NXT. Interesting. I think that the WWE more than likely saw those numbers come out and decided to make their own statement saying, hey, congratulations to AEW. And by the way, I wish he hadn't done that. I wish the WWE hadn't done that. And here's why. Because Vince Russo has his own podcast. And Vince Russo is telling anybody who listens that this is all a work. That the WWE and AEW are working together. <laughs> I, I wish they had not said that. Because that's going to fuel more controversy and more hyperbole about AEW and the WWE working together hand in hand. Oh gosh, I don't want to hear any more of that. Well, as I mentioned to you, as a wrestling fan, as a lifelong wrestling fan that was terrific last night i really really enjoyed both shows what i did was is last night i watched aew without spoilers without interruption looking over to nxt because i wanted to watch AEW first and then after AEW is off the air i turn over and i see that the street profits and the Undisputed Era are going back and forth, so they did a little bit of an overrun. But I was able to go back and watch NXT second, because I know what to expect from NXT. So I want to see the debut of AEW first without interruption. So that's what I did live at 7 o'clock Central Time, and then afterwards went back to watch AEW. So I'm going to give you my thoughts. I really believed that NXT probably had the best wrestling but I believe that AEW had the best stories to tell. I thought it was a better show. They had a better presentation. Um, I thought that the five best matches that we saw on AEW or the NXT show, without putting it in any order, I think Adam Cole against Matt Riddle arguably was the best match of the two shows because it was for the NXT Championship Adam Cole is a terrific heel with that faction, with the Undisputed Era. I thought that that was a terrific story told. Matt Riddle wrestling from underneath as the babyface, by the way. Something that's a problem for the WWE is babyfaces. Matt Riddle completely is a babyface, and the people are behind him at full sail. Uh, I thought that that was a terrific match, and you knew that the NXT brand would start off with something hot. Usually on an NXT show, that would be the main event that would be last, but clearly Triple H wanted to say, okay, no matter what's on the other side, and it happened to be Cody Rhodes against uh, Sammy Guevara, he wanted to put his best match out there first, and he did, and it was great, and so that was a terrific match. I thought that uh, Pac and Hangman Page uh, was a terrific matchup. I really enjoyed that a lot uh, from the AEW brand. The story is that Pac is mean, and he's testy, and I love what he does in the ring. I've seen him. Obviously, the WWE wasn't even the best of what we saw from Pac, but I think that um, that, that match with Hangman Page, a young Hangman Page, and you could just tell, even from the time that he took on Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship, they're telling a story with Hangman Page to where I believe Hangman Page at some point in the next year or so is going to be the AEW champion. Yes, he lost to PAC, but I I think that that was one of the better matches that you, that AEW had on that card. The Street Profits against the Undisputed Era. The Street Profits are good. I looked forward to them to have another gear at some point. It's they got to be more than just the Red Cup. I I think that it's they're a good tag team, but there's there's gotta be more to them than what we see. Um, they have great promo skills. They're over with the crowd in the Undisputed era when you see O'Reilly out there, um, man. They, <laughs> that's just a well-oiled machine. We've seen them in ROH. We've seen them over the years. Uh, it, it's it's hard to look at that team and say nah. That's not my cup of tea. They're terrific as a tag team. And to see those two uh, going against the Street Profits, I think that uh, was a real history lesson for the uh, Street Profits as well. They learned how to be able to take on two consummate pros that have been there for a long time. And those two young guys, the Street Profits, I think they learned a lot from that matchup. Uh, I mentioned Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. Ultimately, that's to determine who's going to be the number one contender. Cody's supposed to take on Jericho for the AEW Championship. But um, I don't think Guevara losing in that match did anything for Guevara. It did not hurt him at all. Because if you watch the end of AEW, he's part of that group. He's part of the mix of, of heels for the future. So I thought that that was a very good opener for AEW. You knew that Cody Rhodes would put on a show. And I, I, I thought that that was very good. I also thought that the Jericho, Ortiz, Santana, three um, six-man tag team matchup against Omega and the Young Bucks, even though it was a little bit fractured because here's Kenny Omega wrestling. And over his shoulder, here comes John Moxley looking menacing, looking like a son of a bitch right over the, the shoulder of Omega. And then that looks like an old school feud. And whatever you consider old school, if, if your old school's in the early 2000s or in the late 90s, mid 90s, whatever, I love those two going back and forth. And, and here's why. It gets away from Omega just being this talented 60-minute wrestler. It makes him uh, a little bit of a brawler. It puts him in a whole different light than what we have seen from his time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I like the idea that Omega is mixing it up with John Moxley because it's a, a mixture of styles between the two. And, and I, I like that. And I like that these two are battling. So it ends up being really three on two because it's the Young Bucks who really look good. Young Bucks look good for the television time that they were allotted. They didn't have time to preen and, and do the, some of the other nonsense. They were really focused on the time that was given uh, because it's television, and they work quickly uh, against Ortiz, Santana, and Chris Jericho. Jericho's getting that... Um, that elbow over, isn't he? I mean, if it's if it's over, it's over. And he gives that uh, Judas effect elbow. Once you put it on, it's over. And so that's just another gear in Jericho. We also saw some other moves that we're familiar with Jericho that he was able to implement in the match. But that, that was really good. I, I thought that was a very good six-man, even though Omega was taken out of it because of Moxley. I just like the sense of urgency for the Young Bucks to be able to you know, not do a million different moves. Just enough moves to be able to say, okay, it's a television match. Let's give some of our good moves here to wow the crowd. Chris Jericho, the veteran there. And and so I thought that that was good. And these run-ins and these surprises in both shows, Right. Jake Hager coming out of nowhere. He, I just When Dustin Rhodes hits there, you're like, okay, I can see Dustin Rhodes being there. But here comes Jake Hager. And here he comes under the bottom rope, and he's just kicking ass. The old Jack Swagger, and he's out there, and he's looking menacing. Menacing. He's got an old man shirt on, but that's okay. He still was looking menacing out there, and he looked like a little crazed. And you can hear the crowd in DC saying, "We the people, we the people," because they respect Jack Swagger, a guy that was world champion at one point, a guy that was on the high the, on the card for the WWE, and, and now in this spot with Jericho, with uh, Ortiz and Santana, with Guevara, and now. Jake Hager is out there, and he was cleaning house. Good to see that, and I love how Jim Ross put him over because I know Jim's a big fan of Jake Hager because of his uh, affiliation with the University of Oklahoma, talking about how he, this is an undefeated MMA fighter. He's not just a wrestler that you remember with Dutch Mantel uh, in the WWE. He's a guy that is an undefeated MMA fighter, so now that gave a little bit more cachet to Jake Hager, which was awesome. On the other channel, on USA Network, with uh, Tommaso Ciampa coming out there to challenge pretty much Adam Cole. Slowly doing his walk and just looking eye-to-eye with uh, Adam Cole. and It's just like, yeah, I'm back and I'm healthy. Same thing with Finn Balor, though. Finn Balor comes down the ramp. And again, he's over because people love Finn Balor. We have seen nothing, nothing, nothing close to the Prince Divot we saw in New Japan in the WWE. I don't know how the WWE falls, uh, just, just falls apart when it comes to Finn Balor. I mean, he was Universal Champion, gets hurt, and he's never been able to rebound from that. I just I don't understand it. And I love the idea that Triple H looks at Finn Balor and says, "You know what? You should have been utilized a lot better in the company." So come on over to NXT and be with us exclusively. And there is the deep reservoir of talent that Triple H has that AEW doesn't have just as of yet. Doesn't mean the AEW is is light on talent. They've got plenty of it and probably more to come. But just because of the WWE, they they can bring they can go dig as far as Roman Reigns to wrestle on there if they need to. Uh, that shows you how deep that um, that roster is in the WWE. But I, I really enjoyed both shows. There's not, there's, Neither show sucked, and I love that. Because they were going at it. They were trying to make sure that we stayed with the program. Now, I want to make it very clear. That every week, I don't think I'm going to be looking at the ratings every week. Of course, I'll read it and kind of talk about it with you a little bit. But I don't think that's going to be a major talking point for me on this show. It might be for other shows. Uh, but for me... It's a difference between 2019 and 1997, 1998, when we're going back and forth and seeing how people are, are looking at these numbers and saying, oh, there's a 4 5 against a 4 1, or it's a, a 3 8 against a 3 5. There's conventional wisdom will tell you that people were flipping back and forth instead of just watching one show over the other. Toward the end, clearly, people are watching WWE because of Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Attitude Era for the WWE, but um, th- these are minuscule numbers now. These are going to be small numbers. I don't expect to see huge, huge numbers uh, for wrestling on USA and TNT uh, especially in today's marketplace when it comes to um, to television and how you watch it. Do you watch it on the cable? Do you watch it through your PlayStation? Do you watch it on YouTube? Whatever. So I don't think we're going to see these major numbers, but I did want to just give you an idea of how some fans looked at it with AEW, the clear winner. AEW told the best stories. I think that um, NXT had some of the best wrestling. Let me tell you why NXT has some of the best wrestling on the card. And we can go through it. With NXT, as I mentioned to you, that first matchup with Adam Cole against Matt Riddle, where Adam Cole retains to win the championship, that didn't hurt Matt Riddle at all. Uh, he can still come out there with his floating bro and all of his kicks and all the this stuff and still be able to uh, get over. That's a future champion in that company. Maybe it's Matt Riddle. I'm thinking uh, he's a future uh, champion, not just in NXT, but maybe the WWE. We'll see. Um, so I thought that that was the best match out of both shows. Uh, Velveteen Dream issuing a challenge. Would have been nice to see Dream out there. But you can see Triple H saying, hold on. Next week we'll try to get Velveteen Dream out there. Because this is a week-to-week thing now. When you're in a battle with another company. Velveteen Dream did make an appearance. He didn't wrestle maybe next week. Io uh, Shirai against Mia Yim. Very underrated match. I thought it was... It was Good. It was not great, but I thought it was very good. Io Shirai, a heel, a clear heel, and she doesn't have to speak English. She is cursing out the referee, cursing out Mia Yim, going after the fans in her native tongue, and it's getting over. like a, Like an international heel has been over the past. Man, if she had a manager, gosh, she'd be even more over. Man, it's just amazing. Um, Johnny Gargano against uh, Shane Thorne. This was a showcase for Shane Thorne. Completely showcase for him. We know what Johnny Gargano can do. Um, but Shane Thorne really, really looked uh, good in this match. And and I'm sure that the powers that be at uh, NXT looks at Shane Thorne and says, You know what? This guy's going to be something. And, you know, he, he wrestled well against Johnny Gargano. I, I like that match a lot. Shayna Baszler, or should I say Fabulous Mula, because she's, hold on, she's been holding on to her championship a ton. Um, she's a two-time champion, but boy, she's, she is getting up there now as like one of the greatest women's champions that the WWE's ever had. As far as her reign and her run here, I guess Candice LeRae. There might be some that look at Shayna Baszler and say, well, you know, what's, what's the deal? Why is she holding on to this championship? Because she's such a unique talent. Very unique talent. I mean, Shayna Baszler, when you see her come down the ramp, when you see her wrestle, you think it's half a shoot. You think it's real, right? Because she doesn't look like anybody else. She doesn't wrestle like anybody else. She's not a high flyer. She's just a battler in there. And it makes her so unique and so interesting um, in this company. And Cancel Ray is going to be a future champion, I believe, also in this NXT brand. But just... Again, with the submission, I mean, Champ Basler is one of the most unbeatable wrestlers in the WWE, at least on the surface, right? She seems more unbeatable than Brock Lesnar. As I say with a wink, <laughs> because <laughs> because Brock Lesnar is, uh, you know, he's had some uh, long run as champion in the past too. And another one's probably coming, coming up on Friday when he takes on Kofi Kingston. We'll see what happens on SmackDown this Friday. Um... Damian Priest strikes against Pete Dunne. That's a good match. I've always seen Damian Priest take it to another level. As a uh, Pete Dunne defeated Danny Burch, that that match could go thirty minutes for me. I like Danny. I'm a Danny Burch fan. He's just a solid veteran. I think he and Oni Lurkin are a really good matchup. They're more than just carpenters. I think that they could do a lot more, especially on the NXT UK brand. I, I think that they deserve a shot at being tag team champions. I like that that combination a lot. Um, And Danny Burch is just a solid veteran against Pete Dunne, and Damian Priest comes in. So Damian Priest, they're trying to set up the story of him being a star. Um, And Tommaso Ciampa, as I mentioned, returned to go after uh, Adam Cole. And as I mentioned, that tag team matchup for the tag team championships, the Undisputed Era against the Street Profits. You know, just to see Fish and O'Reilly out there. They're just... Just consummate tag team professionals. Tag team wrestling will never die because wrestlers like those two and the Young Bucks, I will give them credit, the Young Bucks, uh, they just continue to keep tag team wrestling at a high level. So I like that a lot. I thought, as I mentioned, that was a very good card for aid, for uh, for NXT. Here's why it was a good card. Even though that there were some matches that were short on NXT... I believe that this was built like, for me, more like a showcase event. It felt like more of a takeover, an NXT takeover, than it was as a regular NXT show. That's because Triple H pushed a lot of his chips, not all of them, but pushed some some chips in the middle of the table and said, okay, follow this, especially that big match with Cole and Riddle. It felt like more of like a takeover than it was an NXT show. I get that. Now I'm looking forward to seeing next week. I want to see what they have next week. um, Because I think that'll be very um, interesting to watch. I believe, without looking at the... I don't have my notes in front of me, but I believe it's going to be Kushida and Volter. And I don't know if that's for the UK Championship or not. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I I didn't like the idea that Kushida can go right through Imperium. That's some nonsense to me. I did not like that. But now Kushida against Volter will be a very good matchup. Um, So AEW Dynamite. It's so good to see Tony Schiavone uh, out there. And uh, I've been watching him, obviously, with uh, MLW because he's been doing play-by-play. Still working with MLW, by the way. And uh, so I've been watching Tony for a while here with MLW and uh, it was really good to see him out there with Excalibur and Jim Ross, and I thought that they did a pretty good job. I think Tony actually was the best broadcaster out there. There's no shot at Jim Ross. I think Jim Ross hit some high notes here and there, but as I told you in previous episodes, it's just a disconnect for me. I don't understand understand how come Tony or Jim can't do the play-by-play. If Excalibur has been in the ring or if he's been a wrestler, even if he's not, he's got a mask on. And maybe for the modern fan, it doesn't matter. Maybe it it just, to me, it's just, it's an odd fit. It's an odd deal that Excalibur is doing the play-by-play. And by the way, if you're going to do play-by-play, he's going to have to have a little bit more. He's got to be able to connect the dots more. Once the ball's thrown to you, you just can't kind of trail off with your voice. It's got to be, you got to to speak with command. And this is why, if, if the action's too fast for Jim to go through that play by play, then they got to be able to do something else. I just, it's not like I don't like Excalibur, but Excalibur got to do more than just play by play if that's what he's in there to do. He's got to be able to also feel like he's part of the broadcast and be able to tell stories and just be better than just this stiff guy that's going to tell you about these, you know, 15 different. Names for one hold, I thought that Tony though was very good. In that spot, when you're a three man booth, and I've listen, I do I do a three man talk show uh, for my college football show. You have to be able to have meaning to the time that you are allotted to speak, right? When you're with three people, and you're doing a three-man show, in this case, a three-man booth with Excalibur, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone, you wanna be able to maximize your minutes. Once the the ball's thrown to you, have something that has meaning and then throw it back to your other teammates. I thought Tony did a really good job with that. And Tony probably feels like, man, I should have been able to say more or I wish I was able to say more. But it's hard in that three-man booth. It really is. And I thought that it's just good to see Tony out there. And I think he did a really good job. So I really enjoyed that. Um, And by the way, before I go into the show, it's going to sound weird. Seeing wrestling on TNT, it gave me the feels of WCW. It felt like Nitro. Yeah, I know that sounds weird, but I know it's a whole different product. But just the fans, the way they were going at it, just the the look of the show, and I've been to AEW shows, uh, especially in Chicago. So I've I've seen it, but it just had that Nitro feel to it. It's kind of it's, it's it's strange, and that's not a bad thing. It just and that's how it looked. And and so we're going to get into the look of both shows in just a moment because there are some comments made that I want to be able to address. I've seen this on social media. I've heard this on several shows now um, leading into our podcast today. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. But just let me go to AEW Dynamite. Okay. So. Cody Rhodes against Sammy Guevara, as I mentioned, is one of the top five shows uh, for both brands. I thought that they really did a, a really good job telling the story. Uh, Cody wins with a small package. He he really put out uh, a lot of uh, great moves. I think Sammy Guevara, this has not hurt him at all. Uh, so I like that. It was uh, It was weird to see Chris Jericho out there going after Cody Rhodes because there's such a beatdown after the match. I mean, they went to commercial break and, and Jericho just kept beating Rhodes' ass. It's amazing. Side by side, there's a commercial plane and all of a sudden Jericho continues to just beat up on, on Cody. But I thought the match was very good. Uh, it was a great match to um, showcase MJF for those that have never seen Maxwell J. Friedman. There he was there against Brandon Cutler. That's kind of more of a enhancement talent match. Uh, A lot of people calling MJF asshole because that's exactly what he is, uh, his character is. So I thought that was kind of an enhancement match for Brandon Cutler. Didn't know who Cutler was. I'm glad they told the story that he's a friend of the Young Bucks. You got to tell that story. I thought Excalibur was very good with that. But MJF defeating Brandon Cutler was kind of a showcase thing for MJF, which was good. I think uh, the worst... Segments of both shows was the Jay and Silent Bob cutting a promo. I don't know what that was supposed to be. It was uh, it was odd. It was odd. I mean, it was obviously they're trying to promote their movie, but it was just kind of weird to see Angelico and Jack Evans out there. They came to the ringside and private party came down, but they seemed like they were late getting there. Just, eh, just kind of a, a nothing for me. And then telling the story was SoCal uncensored. I'm sorry, SoCal uncensored in English. Uh, Lucha Brothers they brawl before the tag team tournament. Very good. Tells uh, that told a story about uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian against uh, the Lucha Brothers. They can tear the house down. That could be a show stealer for sure. As I mentioned, one of the top five matches was Pac uh, against Hangman Page. Man, I really liked that match. It was good to see Earl Hebner back out there. I saw him in Chicago for the last big event that AEW had. So to see Pac out there, he's he is a player. He is great. And Adam Page is a young wrestler that uh, I believe is going to be champion one day in that company. The Rio against Nyla Rose. I liked this match. I liked it. And I wasn't even sure who was going to win the match. I saw that Nyla Rose was, it was kind of a David versus Goliath situation with Rio so small. She's so tiny. I hate to be Vince McMahon. She's so tiny. I don't know if she can get over, pal. Oh my. But she's so little, I guess, Nyla Rose. And Rio wins the championship. And Nyla Rose is going to be a monster in this company. Could you imagine her against like Awesome Kong, Kia Kong? Kia Stevens, that would be amazing. That matchup between those two, uh, but Rio wins the championship. I I want to see more of her in a lot of other matches to find out exactly who she is and how good she really is. That was a, a good match, not great, um, like a B plus, maybe worst B minus match. The story was told. Just want to see. I'm interested in seeing more of Rio. She's so little. Does she have Does she have another gear that that she can provide as AEW Women's Champion, and of course the main event, the Santana Ortiz Chris Jericho match, which we talked about against Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Um, so that I thought that that was uh, that was a very good match, and just great to see John Moxley out there. He just I just love to see him. He he is in his element. You can just tell he's in his element, and just the the fight between these two is gonna main event in some cities. I really believe that. To see Moxley and Omega, the dichotomy between the two, is going to be a lot of fun. Let me get into this part of our show here about small versus big, okay? The perception. On a number of podcasts that I've listened to earlier this morning as we record this, and reading what some of the people are saying online, there are many, you could tell, that have never watched AEW. And whether it's pay-per-views or you know, whatever AEW has brought to the table, and there's a number of people that have never watched NXT. Well, what AEW can understand, maybe you haven't watched it on Bleacher Report, maybe you haven't watched the events. Okay, great. NXT has never been on USA Network in the past. They have never been on on cable, but they've always been on the WWE Network. I've watched NXT from the beginning, and I love that brand, and I love NXT UK and NXT UK is one of my top three, four brands. I enjoy watching, but here's the point. Some have criticized NXT for being in Full Sail University. Let me tell you what the perception is now. And this is different than what the WWE's had to deal with in the past. The WWE has switched roles with an upstart company. And that is Now the WWE in full sale looks small and AEW looks big. See, let's go back in time when Vince McMahon took over the WWF at the time from his father. Bought his father's company and he wanted to take the WWF to a global brand didn't want to just be a Northeastern brand just running shows in New York, New Jersey, running shows just on the Eastern seaboard. He wanted to be able to take over all the territories, take all the talent from those territories, and be able to have his brand worldwide. And that meant not just wrestling in Poughkeepsie, New York, not just wrestling in Allentown, Pennsylvania, not just wrestling in some of the other smaller cities that they would wrestle in, but he wanted to be able to be in major arenas, major concert basketball arenas, and that was part of that takeover for Vince McMahon. He says I don't want to just be in Allentown every week filming TV. We need to be all over the country filming TV. That's part of the takeover, and the global expansion for Vince McMahon. And he's been very been very successful with it. So Triple H says, well, let's be able to get some talent that you're not using. Let me get some of the best independent talent, and we will wrestle at full sale. And I'm going to make this brand my own. I'm going to make this more of a professional wrestling company, meaning that it will look like what we've seen in the past with world-class championship wrestling, uh, in Dallas, an Exploratorium, small place. ECW, the ECW Arena, small place. Uh, make this like the NWA or Mid-Atlantic in a, a TV studio. Let's do it uh, in smaller cities like in San Francisco during the Roy Shire era where it was just a television studio. Detroit, all you know, Indianapolis, all these places, right? Small places, uh, big, you know, loud crowd. The fans know when they come into that, particular building they know what to expect right triple h turned the clock back and it was the right thing to do by having a boisterous crowd in orlando to be able to get behind his brand and i've loved it and i've talked to guests about it in previous episodes on this program that triple h knows exactly what he's doing now here's the thing that has been not so great when nxt is on the road they don't draw very well It's been documented in many places where outside of the takeovers and maybe some of the smaller cities, if they're not attached to a WWE major pay-per-view show, then they don't necessarily draw very well on the road. They draw okay, but they don't draw as well as they want to. And maybe that's because everybody doesn't have the WWE network. And maybe that changes now that the NXT brand is on the USA network because now more homes can actually watch NXT. Which brings me to this point. I wonder what Vince McMahon thinks, not just from a rating standpoint because it's so early. But I wonder what he thinks when he sees both shows. He's going to see over the next, what, six to eight weeks, ten weeks. He's going to see sellout crowds for AEW. And he's going to see in Boston next week. And all these other places, you know, they're going to come to Chicago. I'm sure they're going to sell out champagne as well at the University of Illinois, Chicago. I'm sorry, the University of Illinois urbana Champagne. I'm sure that they're going to sell that out and all the other places that are going to go. I wonder what he thinks of AEW and their crowd size versus having a show in Orlando at full sale. Now, I would say if I'm Triple H, we're good. Because now through twenty, let's say through the end of twenty nineteen, they're going to stay at full sale unless something changes drastically. They are signed through the end of this year at full sale. I wonder if the NXT brand will start going on the road to try to match crowd size and arenas with AEW. I wonder about that. Many thought that AEW. Uh, would do well and then kind of taper off. We'll see if that's going to be the case. But I think that many also looked at NXT and said, you know, NXT's been around for a while. It should be a touring brand. You should take the cameras out. And And NXT has done some of that over the years. We've seen NXT go to certain cities and bring their cameras and shoot television in some of these cities. We've seen this before, and it's been good. Uh, but, but that's not the point. The point is, is that, Will Triple H dig his heels in and say, No, we need the energy in the crowd of full sale or go to an arena? When you go to an arena, if the action's not good, you know how some of these, these crowds are dead. You just don't want to be embarrassed if you're going to a 10,000 seat arena and you can't fill it. And AEW can. It's just food for thought. Food for thought. I think that NXT at full sale is a good thing. Because it's different than SmackDown and Raw. It's different. Be- because it doesn't have to be the same as everything else, right? Raw and SmackDown. SmackDown struggles. And maybe it'll pick up now that it's on Fox, but there's been some times now that we have seen SmackDown struggle in some arenas where there, it's a ten, twelve, fifteen thousand 12, 15,000 seat arena, but they, they darken the arena so much that you can't tell that there's empty seats everywhere where they are only got 3,500, 4,000 people in an arena. And that SmackDown has been around for a long time. But an empty seat tells a story when you are struggling, right? When you are looking up and you're saying, well, where, where, are the, where are the people? Well, there's a reason. You're not giving them a reason to go there. You don't You don't give them a reason to get up off their ass and go to the arena because of your creative, because of what's going on in your company. So it's just, you know, just just think about that. Uh, For me, NXT is fine where they are. And AEW going from place to place, growing their brand is fine too. But just keep in mind, don't be surprised if you start to see all of a sudden in 2020 that NXT is going to start traveling to some of these medium-sized to big-time arenas to try to match AEW. And that could be a mistake because really it's not about the crowd and the look. It's about the action inside the ring. That's why Triple H moved NXT to Full sale in the first place, get you know, a, a hostile crowd, make it feel like professional wrestling. Darken the lights, and and I saw the few people complaining about the lights at, at uh, Full sale. No, it should be always the same. It's always been that way. <laughs> it's always been dark there. You know that they, they WWE for years and years and years turn all the lights on so you can see the faces of the crowd. I don't care about them. I care about the action. It's it's not about. How many people are in the arena? It's about what are you showing me in the ring? Are the fans enjoying it? It's not about the faces and turning all the lights on. So I don't, I don't, I love that look because they shouldn't look like Raw and SmackDown. They should look like their own brand. Let's turn now to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez as well as Dave Meltzer. They're talking about what they saw on Wednesday night. All elite wrestling, dynamite, and taking on NXT. Let's see what they had to say. But overall,
1: okay. I, I agree that NXT had the better wrestling. AEW was a much better show. I NXT needs to get out of full sale, which I've been saying for months
2: now. I I, I think that, that I I think if anything that was really obvious. In fact, it was funny. It was 72 Minutes was the first tweet, which I know you got it too, from someone in WWE who basically said, we got to get out of this building. Because um, I was waiting. I go like, who is going to be the first guy from WWE to, to, to figure this out and say that to me? So it was 72 Minutes. I'm, I'm, sure.
1: I'm flabbergasted that nobody figured this out before this thing even
2: started. Well, they mean, didn't. Ha- okay, okay. No, no, no. This, to be fair, you got to remember a lot of things. And number one is, is like, this was not a long, no matter what, they try to tell you, and you know this, this was not this long, you know, planned out thing. It no,
1: was, but they announced it, and then a couple of days later, they announced dates at full sale all the way through the end of the year.
2: Because they didn't have time to, because, with travel and with booking buildings and all that stuff. They had literally no time to start putting in a schedule. There was too, it was too hard. I, I just only...
1: can't believe they can't have a building booked by November. It's October 3rd. You can't book a building could, somewhere you, by November and, like, could, get everybody you, there. Come on.
2: You could. You could. You could. You could. But that was not the – they did not have the time to do that every week. And this was just a, a – a, this is a stopgap measure. It's, like, the only thing that we can do – you know, you got it's, like, every Wednesday. And these guys, you know, a lot of them – you know, it's, it's, like, what if they have tours somewhere? Then you got to get a Wednesday building in that area. Dude, you know, like, all
1: I know is if this show in a couple of weeks is doing, like, 900,000 – and AW is doing
2: 2.2 million. They'll, I mean, be, they'll, they're, they're, they'll be out, out of, of that fast. building. Well, they're going to be out of that building. I, I, I think unless they're winning, um, unless they're winning the race by a sizable margin, they'll be out of that building in 2020. Because they have to be. Because because the first thing Vince is going to say, and no matter what, it's still Vince's Vince's call at the end of the day. If Vince watches the two shows, if he's losing, he's not going to admit that the other show is better. And I'm not even saying that it is, but Vince will never, even if it is, even if AEW has the better show week in and week out, Vince will never admit that, but he will come to the conclusion or someone will come to the conclusion for him and go, we've got the better show, but we're losing because they're in nicer buildings and then they'll be in nicer buildings or they'll attempt. But that becomes real tricky too, because if you go to buildings, then you gotta be able to draw. Cause you know, NXT on the road, they're not drawing that good right now. I mean, so it's like, and I, and I look, AEW is not going to be doing 14,000 people, um, you know, every week either, you know, I mean, this was a very unique thing. And and they're going to be in buildings where, um, you know, they're going to be in buildings where, you know, it's going to be like WWE Smackdown and, and Raw, you know, where you, you know, you have 3,000 or 6,000 people in, in NBA arenas and you're going to, you know, that's, that's, that's that's the reality of modern wrestling that's just what it is and if that's and and nxt which is not drawing nearly as well um you know they're going to be lucky if they can do 2500 so if they're going to go in there you then you have the mentality of you book a 2500 seat building which looks small and you're not camouflaging it and you're still looking i mean you're looking better than full sale, but you're still not looking major league um you know these guys, you know, when, when SmackDown runs in an NBA arena with 3,000 people, they still know how to shoot it to make it look full, and it still looks like it's in a major league building.
0: So thoughts there from uh, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer Live. You can find that on YouTube or subscribe to Wrestling Observer Live. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with what they had to say about that. Um, and so there's no question that it is a, a lot of fun for us as wrestling fans, a ton of fun to be able to see both shows doing well. And it's just a win for all of us as wrestling fans. Anytime that you have a quote unquote Wednesday night war that helps not only the major brands, but also helps independent wrestling as well. And I just think that's great, man. I am just really on cloud nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 for what we saw on Wednesday night. That did my heart good to see two wrestling companies going back and forth and a chance for us to choose. And by the way, we could choose both. I think we should choose both. Watch one, tape the other, watch them both side by side. And My buddy Ryan (laughs) Glasspiegel was watching both side by side. It's just fun to watch for us as uh, wrestling fans. Well, don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. And we will have, unless there's breaking news... (laughs) And I'll do another one. Uh, We're going to have our next show on the 8th of October. And we'll have Sean Farnham from ESPN on because he's going to go to the SmackDown show in Los Angeles. So Sean Farnham, uh, college basketball expert for ESPN, uh, who's a big wrestling fan. He's been on the program before. He's given us some great content. We'll find out his thoughts about what it's like to be uh, in Los Angeles for SmackDown. SmackDown, as I talked to Dave LaGreca about in our last episode, it's the biggest moment for the WWE since the innovation of WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania, it is huge for the WWE to be on a network two hours every single Friday night. Wrestling didn't used to be that way. Wrestling used to be some a uh, show you it was hard to watch. It was on at midnight, 1 a.m. or early morning on a Sunday. But now it's on Fox, and I think think Vince McMahon and the WWE did a great job of getting that deal together. It's really a lot of fun. All right, I will talk to you uh, next. Tuesday with an edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here. And don't forget tell people. Jonathan Hood's talking wrestling. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Thanks for listening.